So for the past two weeks, since God laid it on my heart to give this message, I have been on a journey with God. And that's the funny thing, because you have a plan, and then God comes in, and he has a better plan. (laughs) And so I quickly realized as I was preparing this lesson that it was going, that he was actually working on my heart as I was preparing this message He was saying, okay, Tara, we need to get your heart right first so that you can prepare my word and um, so that you can use my Holy Spirit to work through you. So I want to start off by talking about the story in the Bible of the Samaritan woman. Has anybody ever heard of that story? It's one of my favorites. And so let me pull it up. It's in John chapter 4. Also, the handout that you received this morning, um, as I'm clicking through the slides, um, you can fill out the scriptures that I've placed on a piece of paper from the handout. So this is kind of a lengthy story, but I want to start this out because, like I said, it's, it's extremely important because it talks about how Jesus comes to meet us in the places when our hearts aren't right. So it says, I'm going to start in verse 3. So he left Judea and went once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. This is funny because he didn't have to go through Samaria. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other, and so going through there was a big thing. It says he had to go through Samaria. He has a plan. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sinkar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and his son Joseph. Jesus, Jacob's well was there, and his son Joseph. Jacob's well, uh, I'm sorry, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And this next part's funny too. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Thirsty. What does that mean to be thirsty, high school kids? <laughs> Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will come in, in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this woman, she's still just fighting back and forth with him because she doesn't realize who he is. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that, I don't, so that I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming up here to draw water. He told her, 
go call your husband and come back. I have no husband. Now she's looking at him and she's saying, oh man, how does he know, how does he know my heart? How does he know my life? This is an eye-opening moment for her. She has no clue who Jesus is. And right here, he says something to her that he's, she's never told anybody, that she's never told this man, Jesus especially. Jesus says, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And Jesus says this, not, not because he's trying to hurt her, but he wants to work on her heart. He wants her to realize where she is to get to that next step. And it's just him and her talking. Nobody else is around. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman. (laughs) He says, woman. Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship in the Father and the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Could you imagine how this woman feels at this point that she's talking to the Messiah? She has no idea who this guy is, and now when he's speaking to her heart, she realizes this is the Messiah. So I'm going to skip down a little bit. The disciples come back. They've gone to get something to eat, and now they're coming back, and they're like, Rabbi, you need to eat something. You know, we've been on this journey. You haven't eaten anything. And Jesus says to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have anything? Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. So Jesus tells them he's there to do his will. And then the Samaritan girl runs off and she tells the rest of the town to come and meet Jesus, the Messiah. And lots of people in this town become saved. And it all started with a testimony. It all started with God speaking to this woman's heart directly. So that's what I want to talk about today, is our spiritual journeys. When I think about a journey, I think about this verse in particular. Being an athlete, this was one of the verses that I always went to. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So what does endurance mean? What does it mean to have endurance? Endurance means to withstand hardship or adversity. The ability to sustain a prolonged stressful effort or activity. 
So to me, in our spiritual journeys, we're constantly battling, we're constantly fighting another spirit that is trying to take hold of us. When we're reborn with Christ, we begin a new journey, a journey that can be extremely difficult in battling this spirit that's trying to steal us away from God. Satan is a liar and a thief, and he's trying to kill us, ultimately. He's trying to put us in a place that we feel unworthy, unloved, unforgiven. He wants to give us an orphan spirit, and God says that we are sons and daughters. In the story of the prodigal son, the two sons both have this orphan spirit. And you wouldn't think so reading into it. But the first son, the oldest son, is the pleasing son. He's like, Father, I'll do anything for you. I'm working. He's working to try to earn his father's love. He doesn't just accept the fact that his father loves him and that he would give him absolutely anything. He's trying to earn that love. The second son, the rebelling son, he leaves, taking all of his inheritance. And then when he gets to the point at the bottom, he's sitting in the pig pen, and he's like, oh, man, what have I done? Where am I at? You know, I have to go back and repent and come back to my father, you know, and tell him how sorry I am for what I've done. So he comes back, and the father stops him when he's telling him he's sorry, I'll be a servant for you. He's coming back into that servant, that orphan mindset. I'll serve you. Please just give me a place back, you know. And he says, stop. You are my son, and we're going to throw a party because you've returned home. He doesn't sit there and talk to him about all the bad things he's done and all the hurt that he's probably caused his father. He says, welcome home. And then he gives his oldest son an option because he's frustrated with the fact that he just took his brother back in. And he says, look, I will give you anything as well, but we are going to celebrate because your brother's back home, and I want you to come too. God gives us that choice. He gives us a choice. He gives us free will to choose whether to follow him or to not follow him. And so God is not a father who constricts us. He's not a father that puts his foot on us and says, no, don't do this. No, don't do this. Some people have that type of mindset. God gives us a set of guidelines to protect us. He doesn't give us a set of guidelines to control us because God gives us free will to do whatever we want and the ability to follow him or not follow him. So how do we start this journey? This is one of my favorite scriptures. And when I had first started this slideshow, I was talking about, I wanted to title it Building a Home with God, and then it turned into being led by the Holy Spirit, just following in step with the Spirit every day. So let's read this, this passage. It says, and this is the message. So this is the message version of it. I liked it better. Write these commandments that I have given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. So, 
being a mother of two young children and then also being a youth leader, you have to have the Word inside of you. You have to go to it every day because we're nothing without God. We don't have anything without God. We need His Spirit every day. And so that's the first step. Get the Word inside of you. You can sit and preach and talk and tell your kids or tell the youth group, tell your church, whatever. You can tell them all that you want to, but if they don't see you acting out the Word, then that means absolutely nothing. If you're not acting out what you're putting in your heart, that means nothing. So get the Word inside of you so that your children, so that the youth, so that people around you will see God. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall in bed at night. The simple things. Go to God about it. I mean, I mean anything. I mean, if you're in the shower or if you're outside taking a jog, if you're at school prepping for a test, anything, God wants relationship with you. He wants you to come to him. And this is what this is saying every moment. Because like I said earlier, there is an evil spirit that is constantly fighting the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's wanting to take you away. And he's lying to you. So this is what we have to do to prep for that. We have to go to God's word and ask for that spirit to constantly be with us. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on your doorposts of your homes and your city gates. It all starts in your home. It all starts in your home. Wherever you're at in life, whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, whatever you are at this point, it starts in your home. If you were raised in a Christian home, great. If you were not raised in a Christian home, great. It starts with you. Okay? We must be teachable, moldable, and humble. So, let me find my notes where I'm at right now. If there's ever a point in our lives where we think we know everything, you should be scared. (laughs) If there's a point in your life where you're pushing God on the back burner and you don't feel like you need him, you're like, okay, God, I've read the Bible ten times. I've, you know, I know you're with me, but I got this, God. Every time you pick up the Bible and read a scripture that you may have read a hundred times, God can show you something new with that scripture. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. They can show you something new every time you pick up the Bible. It's never the same thing, and it always applies to God's plan. We need to be obedient. That's what we were just talking about, obedience. So when you're opening up the Word, are you reading it? Are you picking up your phone, your Bible app, and you're saying, okay, I checked my Bible verse off for the day, I'm good. Or are you really taking it in? When you get to school, are you saying, okay, I read about forgiveness today. Maybe there's somebody in your life right now that you don't want to forgive that you're angry with. Maybe there's somebody 
um, that you see at school who's being bullied. Step up and, and live out God's word. Don't, just, don't be afraid. I just read a scripture before I came up here that says, do not fear for God is with you and he will not let you fall. So whatever the case may be, take that stand. And other people are going to see you take that stand and they're going to want to know what it's about, like how they can get to that point. And that's when you can start talking to them about Jesus. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones when you step out when you live God's word. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So I put this little tidbit in here. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years. Genesis was written over 3,400 years ago, and it is still relevant today. It is still relevant today. Every time we pick up the Bible and we read something, it is relevant. Like when I was prepping this message, God was speaking directly to my heart on things I needed to correct and I needed to fix before I got up here and spoke today. So let's backtrack a little bit. Think about this. Who's the first person that you go to to seek out guidance? When something's going on in your life, when you're having trouble with something, Who's the first person that you go to? Think about it. Do you go to a parent? Do you go to a brother, sister, friend, grandparent? All those things are great. They can give us great advice. But God knows your outcome. God knows the next step that you're about to take, and he is the best person to prepare you for that next step. I can remember um, in college, I was a part of the Beltway Baptist um, Church there, and I was part of a life group, and I remember going to camp. Um, it was in the middle of the day, and we were singing worship songs, and I remember just this feeling of freedom during worship. How many of you have ever felt restricted during worship, like, oh, she's watching me, I can't raise my hands up, or oh, you know, they may think differently of me, or, you know, there's just always something in your head. I just felt, during that worship service, completely free. And that's what this scripture says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom in the Holy Spirit. We were dancing around. It was a glimpse of heaven for me, how things are going to be when we get there. No judgment. No worrying about other people, what they think of you. No worrying about sickness. No worrying about your inabilities. No worrying about whatever it is. There is freedom in the Holy Spirit, and we need to bring that kingdom down and feel that spirit. That's what he's wanting us to do. He qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified, the person who has 
the PhD and the person who has whatever, he calls somebody who he can work with, somebody who he can teach, not somebody who knows everything already, somebody that he can go in and change their heart and make a difference. And that's how much God cares about us. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because we don't see the big picture. We see what's right in front of us. God sees the big picture. He knows our next step. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. He will direct your paths. That is a promise if you allow Him to. He'll show you where to go from here. Trust God, and this is the message version. I just, I liked both of them. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. It was like last night when I was trying to finish up this sermon. My son Luke, I had been trying to lay him down for a nap for three hours, it seemed like, and he just kept coming back in there. He'd sit down beside me, and he had a toy or something. And then just the littlest thing would frustrate him. And I was like, Luke, you're tired. You need to go to sleep. And so I would go lay him in his bed, cover him up, tuck him in. I'd come back, and I would sit down and start working on my sermon again. And here he comes with two little trucks, (laughs) you know, or whatever. And so he would come back in there, and I just constantly kept fighting him. And it was like God was telling me, "This this is you. This is what you do when I'm trying to help you. When I'm trying to give you rest, this is what you do. You come back or you try to handle it on your own or you try to compensate. And look at you. Look what happens when you're tired. You're irritable. You get angry. You can't be a representative of Christ when you're tired and when you're burdened down. You have to let me give you rest. So, in conclusion today, I just wanted to, I'm going to tell you one more story, I forgot that I had in my notes, about my other son, James, and this will wrap it up. So, I kept telling him also while I was trying to work on my sermon, don't get on the table, you're going to fall off the table and break your arm or something, and so he kept getting on the table, and so as I talked about earlier, I've been reading this book um, called Spirit-Led Kids. And God, like I said, is not controlling. He gives you advice, and then he allows you to make your choices and the consequences follow, right? And so James, I, finally I was just like, whatever, get on the table, you know. And I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to rush him to the ER after he broke his arm from falling off the table, but I was trying to be like Christ. I was like, okay. I'm trusting you to do this. Okay, so he gets back up on the table, and this time he stands there and he looks at me and he says, Mom, can you help me get down? And I was like, oh, man. It just hit me, like right in the heart. He realized I wasn't preaching at him. I wasn't trying to control him, but he realized then when I gave him the freedom to choose he realized that he needed me, and we need God every day. When he gives us that choice, 
to choose Him or to choose this other path, whatever it may be, we always come back. 